Hello and welcome to the very first episode of Story Screen Reports, your one-stop shop for top film, television, and entertainment news stories of the month. This month is August, and I'm your host, Robbie Anderson. Thank you so much for clicking on this podcast. Uh, if you're familiar with Story Screen Podcast, we here at the Story Screen presents StoryScreenBeacon.com. We love talking about movies and television, but I'm your host, Robbie Anderson, and this is my little prep project. Uh, Story Screen Reports is the Story Screen family reacting to the television, entertainment, movie news that we see every month. It's us taking these stories, the top, what I believe to be the top stories, breaking them down, getting into them, talking about them, and just kind of have a nice little back and forth discussion on on the news. Uh, not the serious news, that's really scary, but the movie news that is only sometimes scary. I'm joined by the very first guest on Story Screen Reports, the white knight of movies, Mike Burge. How are you? I am very good. How are you? I'm good. Are you excited to be a part of this little experiment, Mike? Uh, I am. Uh, I think that this is going to be a lot of fun to talk about these mm. things that are very <laughs> weird. Very weird. Yeah, it's been uh, it's been an interesting interesting month for uh, entertainment news. A lot of mergers, delays. Uh, I think a lot of our conversation is going to kind of end up revolving around like kind of one big entertainment news story. But we'll we'll see where we go. But uh, yeah, I'm excited to bring you along as the first guest, Mike. You uh, you and I talk about the news in entertainment all the time. That's like most of what we talk about. So. It's true. Yeah, this seems like a, like an easy little fit. I think it's going to be good. Uh, cool. So let's break into it. Uh, so I have made I've made a top list, top five news stories list. And the way the show works is that I'm going to say the headline of an article. I'm going to tell you who wrote the article and from where. And then I'm going to read a blurb or a quote or something from the article that kind of gives you the listener as context without having to do to do too much homework. Um, and also since you'll know the, uh, the writer and the publication that it's from, uh, I encourage you all to check out these articles when you're done listening to this and get even more context. I'm not going to be reading the whole article here. I'm just going to be reading part of it. And yeah, then Mike and I are just going to talk about that. So, you know, first time doing it, if I sound a little nervous, it's cause I am, but I think it's going to be fun. Yeah, we can also link the articles in the um, podcast description too. Yes, and do like do one, that. two, three, four, five. Nice and easy. Oh. That'll be easy. Kitten caboodle. Uh, and then after that section, I'm going to tell you guys what's coming to streaming and theaters next month. We're going to be talking about what we're watching, and then we're going to get the fuck out of here. So, uh, without further ado, <clears throat> our first story on the first. Story Screen Reports episode is The Batgirl Has Been Shelved. What? what? Story by Umberto Gonzalez at The Wrap. According to a Warner Brothers picture spokesperson, quote, the decision to not release The Batgirl reflects our leadership's strategic shift as it relates to the DC Universe and HBO Max. Leslie Grace is an incredibly talented actor, and this decision is not a reflection of her performance. We are incredibly grateful to the filmmakers of Batgirl and Scoob, Holiday Haunt, mm -hmm. and their respective casts, and we hope to collaborate with them again in the near future. The article continues, The leaders of the studio determined ultimately, in spite of reshoots and increased budget, that the movie simply did not work. According to insiders, 
The new owners and management, led by CEO David Zaslav, are committed to making DC titles big theatrical events. And the Batgirl isn't that. Insiders added that Studio Brass loves the film's director and star, and are actively planning to work with them soon. Mike. Robbie. Hey. So, the Batgirl being shelved was kind of the... It was like the the dam broke. It was like kind of the the first news story that led to a bunch of news stories that are all kind of centered around the Warner Brothers and Discovery Plus merger. Am I getting that right? I believe that's what it is. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's yeah, it's 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 a little it's a little weird. Very, it's extremely complicated. It's been going on for quite a while. Yes, but um, to be kind of starting with the Batgirl specifically. And uh, there's been a lot of news coming out about it that the creators don't even have access to the movie anymore or the ones that do. They're doing like a funeral watch party. But, you know, the directors of the film are really like upset with what's happening and everyone's kind of reacting to it at large. Um, Mike, do you think do you think that the Batgirl is as bad as Warner Brothers is saying it is? Do you think it would not have done well on HBO Max? Um, I, I think that. Because because Warner Brothers is technically saying that it's not bad, right? Like that's kind of their their I whole guess, mo yeah. is they're like it's not that the movie's bad, you know. It's just that we're doing this, and then you get mm-hmm. conflicting reports where it's like, oh, a test screening. They were like, it's quote unquote irredeemable and stuff like that. And it's <laughs> like, yeah, I don't know. It's Warner Brothers is like this is probably like the one you know, topic that we have on docket uh, today that I feel like I am, you know, all ego aside, the most professionally um, able to kind of talk about because like I, as a, as a theater exhibitor, like I deal with Warner brothers a lot, but that's like a completely different side of all this. But I have felt like weird stuff. Like, you know, we've talked about the HBO max, same day, same release kind of thing that happened in 2021 that almost just completely demolished movie theaters because they were releasing these movies same day on HBO max, like suicide squad, Dune, a bunch of really cool movies. Um, Warner brothers has just been like falling apart uh, for a very long time because they have constantly been shifting um, not only gears on like how they want to make and distribute movies, especially DC movies, but also all the people that are in charge keep changing. And so it's like all the ideas that are coming to fruition from three years ago are now coming to fruition under the umbrella of not just one or two different people, but pretty much an entirely different company that has entirely different things that they want to do, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, um, it's, Batgirl being good or not being good is kind of neither here nor there. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Right? Warner Brothers <laughs> has released a lot of fucking movies that aren't good. So it's it's not like, you know, they were like that didn't stop them with the Suicide Squad or rather sure. Suicide Squad. The Suicide Squad was good. That's the good Suicide yeah. Squad. <laughs> yeah, they released that and it's Warner Brothers is um they're going through a lot of big changes. Everybody's trying to figure out what the balance between streaming and theatrical theatrical release is going to be um it seems to be moving more towards um theatrical 
being kind of more dominant, which, you know, as, as a theater owner and as a, as a lover of le cinema, I am very happy with. So at the end of the day, I look at the Batgirl story as it sucks. Um, it's really stupid. It's, you know, um, it's the tax stuff, you know. I was going to bring that up next. It's like right. the darkest like part of all really of this is. is them trying to record it as a loss. Yeah, to that's what it is. Money back. Yeah. And it's, I, I, I don't think dark. it's, I don't think it's a, a, so again, like just right back to the initial question is like, I don't think that it's a knock against Batgirl being bad. Sure. Um do I think that Batgirl would have been good? I don't know. I haven't seen it. Didn't look good. Uh, I haven't seen anything from it, but I'm just like, okay. We didn't even get a trailer for it. Exactly. Right? Yeah. It's yeah. like, so I have absolutely no idea. I, all I know is that it is a movie being made by Warner Brothers that they were going to immediately just drop onto HBO Max, which I immediately kind of just go, hmm, maybe yeah. I'll check it out. I think it's weird that they... And I guess because they don't have the marketing budget for the movie, maybe. But the fact that they didn't turn around and be like, we're just going to release it theatrically and try and make an event out of it. Hmm. Like I'm, And I think it's like there is another report coming out that um, Warner Brothers only has the capital right now to market and release two movies. One of them is um, the Florence Pugh uh, Harry Styles movie that's coming out next month. Don't worry, darling. Yep. Don't worry, darling, which has a lot of scuttlebutt about it. Uh, mm-hmm. And probably we'll be talking about all of that on uh, next month's Stories from Reports. And uh, Black Adam, which is a movie that looks like I don't want to see it. So it's uh, it's very um, <laughs> it's, it's really sad. Black Adam's whole story is very sad. <sighs> it's so weird. It's got um, Pierce it's, Brosnan in it, though, as Dr. Fate. So like his suit kind of looks they've cool. got my <laughs> ticket. Like that's that's it. Yeah. Yeah. It just looks like to me as someone who doesn't know much about any of that stuff, mm-hmm. uh, like about like I don't know much about Black Adam. It's like in like the the darker corner of DC stuff that I'm not familiar with. Yeah, he's uh, just like a, he's like a baby. It just looks like weird Shazam. Yeah, it's like, weird. It, I mean, he's like Shazam's like arch nemesis. Yeah, like that's that's okay. what it is. Uh, he fights Superman sometimes. Um, but back to the the uh, the idea of the marketing and stuff like that. Because again, like even though this is not what my initial job is because I am an exhibitor. I love paying attention to budgets and um, even more precisely, I love paying attention to how budgets grow in post-production as well as added on with marketing. I like paying Mm -hmm. attention to that and kind of just because I'm a fucking movie nerd. Um, It's cool industry stuff. Yeah, exactly. It's like, it's fun to kind of parse through and see like, well, how does that work based on studio to studio, what they're marketing, how they're releasing it, where they're releasing it, when they're releasing it, what they expect from it, all that stuff. And it's like, um, I saw somewhere that uh, I think the big number that's being thrown around with Batgirl is that they have already spent $90 million on it. um, And they're in post-production right now. And it's kind of like a ninth hour cut off where it's like the thing is almost finished and they're just like slicing it off and they're done and that is for from my understanding from everything i've read that is for the hbo max streaming release so that does not include marketing that it would take to theatrically distribute it which is you know things as small as you know 
thousands upon thousands of posters and teaser posters yeah. and variant two posters and flyers and cutouts and stuff like very small things like that but also commercials marketing at marketing in the general like circuit, all these things you know, physical yeah. or digital yeah i get brendan fraser on hot ones Though like that shit for like a movie <laughs> that warner brothers would want to release of this size would add on like an extra 50 million dollars easy and the other thing that comes into that is they are making this for HBO Max and a bunch of other stuff that I've seen reported is that it, Warner Brothers was maybe not confident that this movie was being made up to par with a theatrical release and that they might have to go in, do some reshoots, move some things around, add some stuff in that would probably add on like another, you know, $50 million. So they're kind of yeah. like... That's the whole thing is like, oh, do you spend all this money? Bleeding, yeah, so exactly. Yeah, it's, they're trying to spend all this money. Do they want to spend all this money, take the risk and see if it works? Or do they want to do like the really evil thing and just be like, fuck all the work that you guys have done, which they all got yeah. paid for, apparently. So it's they like, it's for, one but, thing, know, but yeah. As as like, you know, as a fellow creative to another fellow creative to, to have something you worked really hard on not see the light of day. Oh, it's got to suck. It doesn't matter how oh, much they suck. Yeah, it's awful. It's awful, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah, it just feels it sounds bad. And like, you know, even I think what makes it all even weirder is all the things happening around the Batgirl as well. Like them taking all of the shows off of HBO Max so they don't have to pay royalties for it so they can save money. Like I mean. uh, them not releasing Scoob Holiday Haunt, which was reported to be like done like post-production excuse me done scoob thank you <laughs> um just like all of those stories that you know for a few weeks seems like every day it was just like hey things over here are weird i mean it's not good um, it's not i i, I hope yeah. that i'm not coming across as like one no, i no, know no. what i'm talking about because i don't and two this is bad because this is yeah. warner brothers is <sighs> They got to be number two in studios out there right now, just right yeah. behind Disney. I mean, they're a distance behind Disney, but like everybody's a good distance behind Disney. It's I mean, how many movies are about like distributed by Warner Brothers about studio execs being bad? Like The Matrix 4 is kind yeah. of about that. Yeah. And then also I didn't see the new Looney Tunes movie, but like I heard that like the villain of that movie is essentially just like a uh, exploitive studio executive. Which one was <laughs> like, that? That's like the villain. Oh, is the that new, uh, or, Space, sorry, uh, Space, Space Jam, Jam Coast to Coast or whatever the hell it's called? Yeah. Whatever the, the fuck it is. The LeBron James. Is it called Space, Space Jam, Jam 2? No, it's not. What's it called? Uh, I think it's called Space Jam Reports. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't know what it's called. Uh, wait, is it is it just Space Jam 2? I don't think it is. I feel like it's got to be. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, it boy. I'm looking it up. Two of us tiny totting around over here. <laughs> I'm going to type in Space Jam and hopefully... It I can hear you clicking. Perfect. Space Jam. This is story screen reports. Tick, 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 okay. tick, 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 okay. tick. Uh, it's called something else, right? Space Jam, A New Legacy. Oh, of course. There you go. Yeah. Because it's the new legacy. Fuck. Oh, Space Jam. Man, this movie looks like fucking shit. See, they, they're, they're going to release that one. <laughs> but they're like, oh, no, Batgirl. Now, hold on a second. Well, I think that's also what people are confused about. They're like... Yeah, so what the fuck are you guys doing? I, I guess I didn't realize, you know, the fact that they're just like, yeah, we don't have enough capital to like release two movies fuck for the them. rest of they're the year. They're lying. Like, that's not true. That's like also that, that's, that's bullshit. And also it's like, are you kidding me? Like they also they have so many other like 
like you know they they WB, WB Interactive like develops video games. They have so many different arms and stuff where it's just like I don't know. It, it does I mean, seem do like there's just anymore? like a, they keep canceling. I guess them all. I don't think that they, is true. Yeah. Um, but I do think like it's it's just weird, and I think it's just like kind of like a very aggressive and radical shift by the new CEO, as we just read that like you know they are oddly losing faith in HBO Max and in you know kind of supporting streaming in the way that they were before. Yeah. But HBO Max is is largely one of the more successful streaming services. It's just it's kind of weird, you know. Yeah, it's it's one of the worst ones uh, quality wise. Not not no, in co- not in content. The yeah. app is fucking nuts. <laughs> it's awful. It's crazy. Yeah. I keep having to like rewind twenty seconds because it's like after it showed me the trailer for House of Dragons, it decided to Be jump into that, like twenty seconds into the episode that I'm watching. I'm like, stop. Um, yeah. Trying to rewind in that thing is just like, I guess I'll just restart my TV. I don't fucking know. <laughs> uh, I don't want to put you on the spot here. Um, have you Please. ever seen Goodfellas? Ah, oh, fuck. Sorry. No, it's okay. No, yeah, that's no, fine. Okay. That means appreciate- that you get to watch Goodfellas for the first time. And for that, I am jealous. True. Um, we sh- you should come over and we should watch Goodfellas. It's a great movie. I'm down. Yeah, but there's really a scene cool. in Goodfellas, spoiler alert, uh, <laughs> where um, they decide to just kind of clean shop. And all these characters that you've met over the course of like an hour and a half, you just get this big montage of all of them being killed or their bodies being found in different ways. Mm. Um, probably set to a Rolling Stones song. I can't remember exactly what it was, um, but sounds about right. It's a fair bet it was a Rolling Stones song, yeah. and that kind of feels like what Warner Brothers is doing right now. They're just kind of like, you know what. CNN Plus will get rid of that and um, HBO Go will get rid of that there's HBO Max the new guy but we're also probably going to get rid of that and there's Discovery he's the new guy you know who knows when he's going to show up and they're just like all right and then Batgirl and The Flash and all these CW shows yeah yeah also too like The the Flash getting canceled after nine seasons that's normal great job guys you're okay it's come on yeah come on yeah, that's that's just like that's just a that's more than most shows. Yeah, you we can't all be supernatural and go like no. twenty six seasons. I think if you get a nice a nine season show in the year of our Lord twenty twenty two, that yeah. is yeah, that's pretty good. And I don't watch those shows. Like I I no, watched I watched Arrow uh, for like the first three or four seasons just because uh, I kind of dug it, and then it just got kind of repetitive. No knock to it. I hear it's great. It's just kind of like eh, I want to like start kind of going somewhere else but now that they're there's all over audience, i'll probably rewatch them there's an audience for those shows like gotham flash supergirl where it's like i am not that but they keep making this stuff and i there is an audience that is that is like their bellies are full they're eating right now mm-hmm. and i'm like pretty i'm happy for them you know is is cw this fun is cw the show that uh is cw the network rather that recently posted like they want to start focusing in on um, making content for like their most average listener their most average watcher mm-hmm. um my podcast host is showing uh <laughs> their most average watcher which is like 55 years old or something like that did you see oh, that i think i did see there was that something too. like yeah. that i can't remember if it was cw <laughs> and stuff and you're just like what yeah it's like excuse me <laughs> what i think also like and that's not like the that's final- not the compliment to yourself no. that you think it is. That's not... No, don't do that. Yeah. I think uh, my final point before kind of moving on to the next story is, you know, I think with Netflix, a big question for a long time that we kind of forgot about is just like, 
So they get like subscriptions. How do they make enough money to do all of this shit that looks so expensive? And then like Netflix is just like, oh, we like mostly like report losses (laughs) all the time. And it just kind of seems like we've been kind of told as consumers that streaming is the future, but we keep seeing like, you know, Netflix has apparently like not so good company culture as well. And like, there's just kind of like a lot of like weird stuff happening at a lot of these streaming services uh, behind the scenes that I'm, I'm curious if we're just going to see like, is streaming the future? Ultimately, are we going to see more and more streaming services, more and more Paramount pluses, more and more Apple TVs, or is there like another change that's on the horizon? Like, is this actually a good fiscal uh, like a good like monetization platform. I know that's like, you know, not something that you and I can answer necessarily here, mm. but stuff like this definitely makes me like kind of question it, you yeah. know? I mean, we did, we, me and you did the uh, hot takes episode on the Netflix eating blockbuster documentary, Netflix versus yeah. the world. And on that, we were kind on of Amazon prime on Amazon prime. <laughs> it's fun. It's fun. It's fun. Um, And on that, like we were kind of talking about how it's just like streaming is like this thing where if you if you're to look at like the rise in vinyl and like the odd rise on the horizon of VHS and the rise of like steelbooks and like criterion collections and stuff like that, physical media, it has been coming back secretly in a very big way slowly over the past like 15 years Whereas streaming kind of just like hit really quick and is just going for it. And I do believe like even like two years ago, we were talking on that episode, we were talking about how it's like something that is moving this fast. It's just going to keep evolving and changing and it's going to self-destruct unless it changes into something else radically different than what it is. But you really can't change streaming all that radically except for like stuff that Netflix and HBO did, which was like, we are going to make stuff that's only available on these things, which is what Batgirl was. Mm -hmm. So if they're already started, if Warner brothers, one of like the big dudes, like, you know, they're number two, theatrically, they're probably number three or four streaming wise behind like Netflix and Amazon prime are like the big ones. Hulu or Disney plus might make their way in there, but those are also kind of the same thing. Yeah. Yeah, So so. Disney Mm -hmm. as like in general of like owning those. So HBO max is probably either tied with Disney plus or like maybe right behind or ahead of it. If they're going, uh Oh, then it makes you think it makes you think. And also the next story that we're about to talk about too is is may kind have a of, thing to do. Yeah, thank you for uh, thank you for the segue, Mike. The second story on the report, the report. I gotta still figure out, you know, the verbiage and stuff of the show. I'm still trying to figure the out. report, the docket, the reports. I'm gonna go with docket. docket. The second story on the docket is abuse of VFX artists is ruining the movies. This story is by Linda Codega at Gizmodo. Hey, across hey. Linda uh, has done a lot of content for StoryScreen, and we are very excited to report on their reporting. The article goes like this. Across a series of phone interviews with sources within the visual effects industry who have worked on multiple Marvel titles, from Phase 1 up to the as-of-yet unaired television shows, io9 heard a litany of complaints about the working conditions that visual effects studios impose on their staff in order to meet the demands of their clients. All the VFX workers in the story are referred to by pseudonyms, 
due to the relatively small size of the industry and because they're afraid of being blacklisted. io9 also made numerous requests to Marvel for comment, but as of publication time, they had not responded. Period. <laughs> Period. Period. Uh, this piece will be updated if they decide to reach out. So this is going to be a, a bit more reading than the other stories we have on the docket because I just want to kind of paint a proper picture. And uh, Linda does some really good reporting here. But please, uh, I do not have the whole article and all the quotes in this. I encourage everyone who's listened to this to check out this article because it is fascinating stuff. So here are some quotes. Quote, Marvel is the worst example of a lot of the problems in the industry. It would be one thing if sometimes it was really bad, sometimes it wasn't. But with Marvel, it seems like every single time it's the same thing. So, one, they tend to be as bad as you're going to get, and they're consistently that bad. End quote. Another quote from a VFX artist under the pseudonym Hector, quote, From my very first day on the project up until we delivered the shots, we were working overtime and weekends. It was just months of literally being nailed to my desk, end quote. Later on in the article, many sources stated that Marvel deliberately shoots their films in such a way that they are able to change details, both big and small, up until the very last minute. Very little is shot practically, and even the stuff that is practical goes through touch-ups. Quote, when you get a plate that's just someone's face against a poorly lit screen, there's really nothing you can do to make it look realistic. That's something that never gets commented on. Everyone just goes, oh, the visual effects looks like shit. And I'm like, no, you should have seen the plate. You should have seen what we were given because that was shit. End quote. So, Mike, Marvel movies are made from blood. <laughs> um, yeah. I think that ever since, and the and uh, Linda's article also, one of the first quotes in it was uh, about Life of Pi, which I remember was like the first time I heard about VFX artists kind of like not getting super, treated super well and having to deal with a lot of like crunch in the industry. Um, it should be, I guess, of no surprise that Marvel and Disney coming up with content at the click that they do kind of having the same issue. Were you surprised when you saw this article, Mike? No. No, <laughs> yeah, no. This is this is like a, uh, you know, this is like a a well known on certain brackets kind of thing of 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 what goes on behind the scenes, the crunch of VFX. Yes. Like, uh, it's it's the exact same thing that's going on with like making video games and stuff, and it's yes. essentially, you know, it it is like an offshoot of like the same job. You know, it's people that are designing video games versus people that are putting the video game graphics into movies. You know, in it, it, yeah. it like being fun, like but you know, mean no disrespect yeah. to that. I'm I'm just having a little laugh there um <laughs> just a little laugh there but it, it does seem like they you know um uh our good friend uh linda has um uh some great reporting phenomenal this article is insane um it's really I've, the best we were talking about it off mic but it's like the best yeah about this problem it's wild. That i've read it's wild yeah. uh, i've read it a couple times now just to try and get everything kind of in my head because it's a lot it's a nuanced situation as a lot of these types of things are that's kind of what allows them to operate for so long and get away yeah. with all these things um and it does kind of take these big kind of monumentous articles and reporting to be able to kind of bring it up so everybody can be like see yeah. look this is bad 
um, they it, it's always been a thing where the people who are on the post-production side um, usually get abused um, a little bit more um, frequently than the people who are in the uh, production of everything. That is not to say that the production of movies is not without its faults, because I know a yep. lot of people that work on the uh, production side of stuff, and they have their gripes as well. Um, and same with pre-production, everything. You know, it's it's a job. Making movies is hard. It costs right? <laughs> a lot of money. It takes a yeah. lot of people, and it takes a lot of time. And the only way to bring down any of the numbers on any of those is to increase it on the other. You know, it's, yeah. do you want to make it cost less? Less people. And, but it should be the other way. Like spend more money, less yeah. people pay them more, get more people, pay them more money, that kind of stuff. I think a lot of, I think an issue, an issue that you see in video games that is slowly starting to change. And I think it's the same issue in uh, the VFX community is that there's not a lot of unions. Yeah. And so you see these people kind of like, get abused that way and also like you know it, it the article mentions that it's a small industry and um i know uh video game crunch has been popping up a lot lately in the news as well for the past few years um and you know it's i can only imagine especially as someone who like you know would one day love to work even more in like the film industry like to get a dream job and it just kind of like bleed you dry you know like that's so sad. Like, you know, these people, like, you know, they probably love this shit. They probably love doing stuff like this. Like, I think the article even mentions, it's just like, oh my God, like, we get to work on a Marvel movie. That's so cool. And then for it just to be, like, so rough of a process. And, you know, I feel like one of the last straws and maybe why we start, we're starting to see so many so much reporting on this is that uh, the, uh, the talk of people being like, oh, well, like, the CGI in these movies suck. Like, you know, what's going on? Like, the VFX artists aren't, like, doing a good job. And they're kind of, kind of being like, yeah. no, we're doing the best job we can because Marvel just basically gives us fucking movie Play-Doh and tells us to get it done in a few days. And, like, you know, it's just... It's just sad to see, you know? Yeah. Did you see the... Um, hmm. I don't want to... Mm. Yeah. Fuck it. They did it. Uh, did you see the uh, variety uh, notes on a scene with Taika Waititi about Thor Love and oh, Thunder? Where he's just like, yeah. the VFX artist fucked up here? Dude. Yeah. Like, I, and I and then seeing where, this article I is just like, get dude. where he's coming from. He's having a laugh. He's, you know, fuck, who knows what his day was like, how many of these things he was doing. Sure. But he does kind of like toss the it's not, it's like CGI. Not the room, yeah, right? yeah. He tosses yeah. the VFX artist kind of under the bus making fun of some stuff and everything where it's like, uh, buddy, like maybe, I don't know. Mm. It's a bad look. Sorry, dude. It's a bad look. <laughs> and I'm sure that, you know, if that ever, if he was ever like approached by that, he'd be like, oh, shit, gov, I didn't mean it like that. Oh, sorry oh, about that, oh, mate. Oh, sorry, bro, mate. <laughs> you know, he'd do his like really cute thing and stuff. And I do genuinely think like he did not mean to like make fun of these people. I don't think that Taika Waititi is like holding it against the VFX I think he said something a little insensitive at a really bad time. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I, yeah. Because <laughs> he just wasn't like aware of just like, what am I doing right now? What am I putting out into the world? And that's, we all make mistakes because we don't consider the feelings of specific people because we don't understand that that's going to affect them. And when yeah. we are told that they do, we change and we apologize and we move we on. Better. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, that is the ideal scenario. But yeah, I, I, I really, 
it definitely makes like I don't know. Does it make when you watch like Disney Plus stuff or Disney stuff kind of going forward since a lot of this has been happening? Does it paint your picture a little bit differently when you watch that stuff? Are you like more empathetic for maybe some like not so good CGI? Are you a little bit like feel bad for watching something that like you kind of worry about how the VFX artist feels? Mm -hmm. There was like a report. um, I think it's I think it's also in this article when they announce all of the upcoming Marvel properties for the next few years at D23, you could like almost hear the unanimous groan of VFX artists because it is, it's a lot. Like the click is happening faster and faster. That's, yeah. What we're, uh, what I was kind of like inkling to earlier was like, mm-hmm. oh, Disney Plus is just like turning out all these things. And it's just like, yeah, you guys, like obviously the greater scope of the image is going to suffer because you're adding too much into it. You know, it's like you're, they're doing it too fast. It's oversaturation. It's even if you like this stuff, which I do, like I watch every Marvel show. I watch every Marvel movie that comes out. I'm not like chomping at the bit for it, but I'm like, Oh, there's a new Thor movie. Let's go. And like, Oh, she hulks on, let's watch it. Like that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, but, and so I like the quantity that I'm getting, but when you, find out that it is at the cost of this it it does like you're like you're saying it makes you go like "Mm." but also like i'm an american and i pump gas in my car uh every week and uh i i know how fucked up that shit is too so but i I do it because i need it to get to work but like it's different because it's not like entertainment and it's individual artists that are uh being forced to suffer and lose their minds over this thing and it's the biggest thing with this and it it, especially in the article um that linda wrote which again i cannot recommend recommend enough it's so good is um the uh the mental health of an employee at a job needs to be placed higher than where it is expected to be at be it a vfx artist at marvel or a server at a restaurant like it like the met like being able to like acknowledge that everybody that does any job is a human being whether they be an artist in any form of the sense bartender server dishwasher vfx artist director actor anything it's like yeah the mental health and the professionalism needs to be of the highest priority maybe second only to the quality of the work but it needs to be very close to that if it's second yeah. it needs to be very much up there. well they should they should feed each other right if you're yes. helping someone with right. their mental health and you're alleviating it, alleviating it the work will be better yeah and that's that simple i think that there's there's a and again i use video games as a, analogous to this because some of the reporting just sounds so similar to, to me across these two industries but um a story that gives me some hope is uh, Rockstar or yeah, Rockstar Studios who make uh, GTA and Red Dead Redemption. They come they came under a lot of fire when Red Dead Redemption Two came out because a lot of reports of crunch and terrible, like sexist, awful, bad bro company culture at that studio was coming out. And uh, recently, I believe it's Jason Schreier over at Bloomberg came out with an article that in the past few years. Um, the company culture has changed a lot and a lot of people that work there that have stayed are, are a lot more like hopeful about mm. the games coming out and they're doing a lot to alleviate crunch and it's because of you know reporting like yeah. this that can really can really help and I think can make a change I think it's good to 
you know, we're not seeing a lot of positive stories about VFX artists right now, but, you know, I think it's good to highlight the positive stories and, and moments of change that I hope can trickle over to this industry as well. And I, and I really do hope things get better for them because I like watching this stuff, but if I keep hearing about, you know, people's lives getting ruined for it, I, I it makes me not want to support it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's bad. Michael, are you ready for story number three? <laughs> I want nothing more. <laughs> nothing more. Story number three, the Batman 2, not yet greenlit, Next movie reportedly years away, but after this story was added to the docket, another story came out. Mm. Update. The Batman director Matt Reeves sets multi-year first look film deal at Warner Brothers and re-ups with Warner Brothers Television. Story by Mike Fleming Jr. at Deadline. Warner Brothers is going all in on the Batman director Matt Reeves and his Six in Idaho production company. He has become the first filmmaker given an overall first-look deal since Warner Brothers Pictures co-chairs slash CEOs Michael DeLuca and Pamela Abdi were hired at Warner Brothers Discovery, uh, Chief David Slaslov, to steer the film and television. In addition, Rees has re-upped with Warner Brothers Television Group and Chairman Channing Dugney, where he is also working on the Batman spin-off series, The Penguin, with Colin Farrell. Uh, before this update to the story came out, there was a lot of updates coming out that... The Batman 2 is not guaranteed. It has been greenlit despite uh, a sequel getting announced at, I think it was like Comic-Con uh, earlier this year. So a lot of people were worried, like, are we going to get a Batman 2? Is all this Warner Brothers merger stuff also like canning that movie? And it seems like the opposite is happening. It seems like Warner Brothers is is doubling down on Matt Reeves, which is cool. But, uh, you know, with the Batman series, I think just started filming the Arkham series. We're not sure when that's coming out, if that's coming out still. And just kind of like a lot of question marks about like the question Matt What? Riddle me this. Mike, riddle me this. When do you think we're going to get the Batman 2? Uh, what year is it again? <laughs> it's 20... Uh, we'll probably get a, another one in 2025. Yeah, you think it's that far away? Probably, yeah. Yeah, I guess that's like what movies that used to be the space between movies. I think that that's the space between movies that somebody like Matt Reeves would need, um, who is an amazing director. uh, I mean, you you like the Bat. You love the Batman. I love Love the Batman. Batman. What are you talking about? I got good taste in movies. What are you talking about? I love the Batman. (laughs) It's too dark, it's too Um, long. It's too long. (laughs) I don't like it. The Batman, Uh, the movie for adults. Mm, finally grown-ups can enjoy a superhero movie. Uh, that's a joke. Don't cancel me. Uh, yeah, I think that, you know, I'm excited for... It's it's all good news for Warner Brothers to be like, yo, we fuck with Matt Reeves so hard, we want him to kind of steer the ship on the Batman. Um, but, uh, yeah, it just kind of, you know, I'm, I want to get what the next Batman thing is. Like, I want to see what this Penguin thing fucking looks like. Mm-hmm. Not only because I, I need a taste... But I just kind of want to start to see what the the shape of the Bat universe is going to look like. Because if it starts to take the shape of like kind of all of the other superhero content and stuff we start to see, mm-hmm. I, I, it would make me less excited. Because I think the thing about the Batman that excited me so much is that I left it feeling like... My first viewing, I left it being like, man, that was like unlike a superhero movie I've seen in so long. Like it was kind of dark. It was kind of weird. It just It was something that really got me thinking about just like... 
you know, it, it, it was like a, a barometer for like these type of movies right now. It's just like, wow, it's like, it's so refreshing to see a movie like this that still is a superhero blockbuster movie at the end of the day, but feels really different. Um, so yeah, Mike, how do, how do you feel about like the the future of not only the Batman, which hopefully we get in a few years, I'm hoping sooner than 2025, but I think you're on the money. Mm-hmm. But uh, how do you feel about just like the Bat universe going forward? Uh, uh, Matt Reeves, the Batman is great. And honestly, kind of goes back to what we were talking about at the top story here, where they are trying to find somebody to maybe be Warner Brothers is trying to, they want Kevin Feige. They want a Kevin Feige. They want somebody that's going to bridge everything together. And you know, it's like, here we are. Like, I don't know. Is Matt Reeves that guy though? I, do you want him to be that guy? Because the thing is, kind of funny. I, he's not do a, I he's want always... Matt Reeves to be that guy. No, because no, I don't no. want Matt Reeves being caught up in that. Because I want him to be able to make his Batman movies when he wants to, but then also to be able to go make a Matt Reeves movie that's removed from franchise stuff. Even though I don't know if that's possible now, because that's how Matt Reeves is kind of defining his career right now. He's making the Apes yeah, movies I mean, and jumping on over there. Like I, I, I get it. Um, on on the Gray Man podcast uh, <laughs> by um, the Russo brothers, rest in peace. Um, yeah, it's a shame to hear about what happened to them. I talked about how the more Russo brothers post Marvel movies come out, the more it starts to become evident. And please cancel me for this, please. That Kevin Feige was kind of on the steer had a hand on the wheel for those movies because there is a general lack of tact, ambition, and propulsion in flow of story in all of the Russo brothers movies that are not Marvel. Because yeah. and it is insane. Like it is like Captain America the Winter Soldier is one of my top five. Yeah, that's a great it's movie. It's a fucking great movie. And it, it's yeah. great because of its propulsive nature it's so good and it just moves and then you watch other stuff the rooster brothers make like i haven't watched cherry yet and i kind of want to to really hammer did home you see 21 this point. bridges i did see 21 bridges it sucks oh, it's okay. not a well-made movie it sucks <laughs> it's not good um and uh it's it's just like i don't even know did they even direct that i think they even just like produced it or did. i, I don't know did. i don't know but either way it's it's um Matt Reeves is a dude like this is and again please cancel me at any time Joss Whedon (laughs) being brought in in like the latter days of phase one was like the best thing that ever happened because we can all agree that the end of phase one and phase two is kind of like the glory days of like movies like in in Marvel like you know obviously there's Iron Man 2's and Dark Dark Worlds in there but yeah you can't kind of. I think ar- phase yeah. three is is the goal. I think that's the golden sure phase. But he was like Joss Whedon was in there, kind sure. of prepping all of that stuff and getting it ready. The, he did a lot of the bridge away. work happening there. Joss yes. Whedon, very bad guy, no good. Don't do it. Go away. But yes. he was the type of guy that they brought in who was like, I can kind of see exactly what is good about all these different things and how they can connect and what the arc should be given who is hired to direct it, tell the story, act it, all of that stuff. And I do think that Matt Reeves 
can be that guy, but it's all about whether or not he wants to be that guy. Like Joss Whedon did not want to be that guy. He was kind of roped into it because he was hired to do Avengers and it was like, keep doing it. We'll pay you a lot of money. And he was like, okay. And that's why age of Ultron, he lost his fucking mind and all the bad things about him removed, which happened 20 years prior to these movies being made. You can see like, it needs to be somebody who actually wants to do it. And if Matt Reeves is somebody who's like, listen, I'd love to do this and help out and kind of figure out where things need to go. But I also don't think that Matt Reeves's take as far as the Batman or as far as the Planet of the Apes movies is indicative of where the DC EU needs to go. Even though I think I he's great at what he does, I, I, I want my Aquamans. And my Wonder Woman's, and I want them to be different. I like that they're yeah. different. I don't want a superhero. I don't want a Superman movie that's like the Batman. They didn't pick Todd Phillips, at least you know, like that's nice. <laughs> I think the thing is, the thing about Kevin Feige and what DC I think needs to find if if that is their vision of doing a more connected DCEU, which even though I do think they're having more success of doing an unconnected DCEU and just doing these. Movies like the Joker and like the Batman that feel bottle and feel separate. I think they're having more success with that. But if they are they're truly looking for that. The thing about Kevin Feige is that he is a producer first, and that is his experience. And you yeah. need a powerful producer. And I don't think that upgrading a talented director to that role is the smartest idea. Yeah. I think you need someone who is an overseer, which is what a producer is. And I think the reason Kevin Feige worked is that he was nerd extraordinaire and he was producing these movies in the early aughts, these superhero movies in the early aughts. And then when he, you know, got into the chair overseeing all the Marvel stuff, he knew what people wanted because he was working in, in the trenches of those like early superhero movies. So like, you know, I'm not sure if you're ever going to get a Kevin Feige because I do think he's kind of, you know, one in a million, it seems like. But I think they need to find mm. a producer and, you know, I don't know if you're going to find another Kevin Feige, like unless he's, unless I mean, he's stealing from Marvel and it's not going to happen. <laughs> the producer is like one of like the big, we don't really have a lot of producers these days. Like we don't have Jerry Bruckheimer's and stuff like that mm-hmm. anymore. Like I, I guess in a way, like, you know, Kevin Feige is more also like the conversation around talking about how movies are made has completely changed in the past 10 years. We're like, your average moviegoer knows who Kevin Feige is, who's just yeah. the producer, a name at the end. He's not in the movies. He didn't direct it. He didn't write it. You know, um, people know Kathleen Kennedy exactly. because yeah. they, they think they don't like her. Even though you Kathleen Kennedy has fucking been around since the 80s, you goddamn oh, pieces yeah. of shit. Like, it's like, yeah, and she's great. And she's, and she's great. great. She's great. Yeah, she's she's made great. Some of, she has made some of the best movies that have ever been made possible. Yes. Um, yes. A producer is a really weird gig. And, you know, Matt Reeves coming in as a producer on these things. Yeah, but also, like, I I share your um, skepticism with it, where it's just kind of like, I don't think that that's the right thing to do, because you got to find the right person. But also, like, Matt Reeves is a big old nerd. The dude's making Planet of the Apes and Batman movies. Like, he he's yeah. he's kind of a nerd. He made, like, a, a rip-off Godzilla you know, POV movie. And that was like his big claim to fame. Like he, he actually made a good reboot of let the right one in a 
impossible task, an impossible mm-hmm. task. And he made a good remake of it that stands on its own. Like, so yeah. he's insanely accomplished. He's very good at what he does. But would he be the right fit for the DCEU calling the shots? Like, I don't, I don't, I don't know if that's fully, I don't know. yeah. And then even, you know, if I think about like another person who's kind of in the pot right now, it's like maybe like a James Gunn could be interesting in that role. But like, you know, I don't think that the James Gunn vision is what I want to see all my DC stuff be right. either. Yeah. You, know? you want like, that to be the little guy. Yeah. That's exactly. I think Which that's the I same think... thing with Zack Snyder. It's like, that's why they didn't offer it to him. You want some yeah. of your stuff to be Zack Snyder-esque. You don't want the whole thing to be that because we've seen yes. what that looks like. And people are like, I'm bored. It looks weird. Yeah. I think that, and I think the problem is like, I just I don't know what a cohesive identity for the DCEU DCEU can even be. And the thing is, like, I probably wouldn't have necessarily yeah, and I probably wouldn't have necessarily thought that with Marvel. But now it's so clear, you know. But I don't know if copying the Marvel book is the move. And again, like I feel like it's a misstep because the Suicide Squad, the Batman, and Joker are Hmm. so successful and they're so removed from each other and i'm just yeah. kind of like i think you guys just found it that. already just do it's that. right there yeah just keep doing it the thing is i think people don't realize i think it's outdated marvel was just like everyone knows about superheroes but they don't know about some of these guys we're gonna make it more cohesive and then introduce more people into the flow i think with dc stuff it's kind of like listen guys like nerd is mainstream people know these characters just make movies about yeah. them you know it's just yeah i don't know like you could they could make a a Joker-esque movie about Mr. Freeze and it would make Joker money. Yeah, That's, and they, I, like, it just would. Like, they could just do that. Make like, a I don't Joker know. sequel and just call it, like, Joker creme brulee, whatever, or whatever yeah, the fuck I'm it's like, called. Do like, do whatever you want. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of the DC expanded universe, story number four is Ezra Miller apologizes Story by Brett Lang and J. Kim Murphy at Variety. In the statement provided to Variety by a representative of the actor, Miller broke their silence about the troubling behavior that they have exhibited in recent years, which has led to a series of legal issues and assault and abuse allegations. Miller also apologized for their actions. Quote, Having recently gone through a time of intense crisis, I now understand that I am suffering complex mental health issues and have begun ongoing treatment, end quote. Miller continues, quote, I want to apologize to everyone that I have alarmed and upset with my past behavior. I am committed to doing the necessary work to get back to a healthy, safe, and proactive stage in my life, end quote. Mike Burge, does this seem like a apology statement written by Ezra Miller? Mm. <laughs> so this is a delicate thing to talk about yes extremely um so i am just gonna go on the record right up front right here and anybody that ever gets mad at me about anything that i'm about to say in the next 15 minutes please be sure to include this little part context i do not know ezra miller And I am unaware of what they are going through personally. Um, 
not only does this not seem like something that uh, Ezra Miller said, um, right. uh, it's also not an apology. <laughs> it's like, again, it's, it's also it, not an apology. Yeah, it's, <laughs> you know, like they, they, they are, and we're going to use they in the term of like whoever's writing this plus Ezra Miller sure, or the just a- Ezra the Miller. HR representative. Right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Whatever they are getting at here, it is, um, it, it is, you know, it, it's just like kind of carbon copy what you say when someone messes up. Yeah. Uh, and Ezra Miller has been, you know, just like, I was pretty sure that they were going to name like a sixth horseman of the apocalypse after them. Like it was just like, and that would have, and that's cool. Right. You know? It would, it, it would be cool. Well, um, renowned. Yeah. They have done some really intense stuff uh, before we started recording. I, thought that I knew all of the intense stuff that they did. I don't even I know. didn't. Uh, there's a lot. There's a lot, and it goes yeah. back a long way. Um, Ezra Miller is apparently a very troubled individual, and they have been going through some stuff, and at the end of the day, I really do feel like this apology, whether it is coming from them or anything else that's mixed in there, is very much tied to Ironically, two of the other stories that we've been talking about, yeah, which is Warner Brothers and the Flash movie, which seems like we should just, just can we all just they're gonna cancel Batgirl, but they're not gonna cancel the Flash kind of thing. You know, have you seen yeah. have you seen the reports of the test screenings are really good and Warner Brothers just like we got a hit on our hands, we're definitely gonna release it, and it's just like, yeah, it's like you guys chose like. I, don't know. I mean, it's like I get I get like, you know, don't don't uh, I shouldn't be naive and expect the best from corporate executives like that's foolish. Mm. But, you know, it's he's done. Sorry, they have done so much stuff that is awful, like ridiculously awful, like, like just like, like, like really, really insane bad. stuff, like bad, shit. really bad yeah. stuff. Yeah, that it's just like, I don't know, guys, like. I think you should just fucking put it in the can. If you want a Michael Keaton Batman appearance so bad, just make another Michael hey Keaton now. Batman movie. Just, just do it. Do if it. that's really what this is all fucking about, like, just make it. <laughs> I don't know. You can even do a time traveling one where Michael Keaton is in the 90s and he has to meet the Ben Affleck Batman. If that's what you fucking want so yeah. bad. And, you, and he would sell more you than doing Miles this weird, like, to play young Michael Keaton. Wait, <laughs> that would be cool. I mean, it would be, um, you know, if we really want to bring as many troubled individuals. As many spot, like, really terrible this. people in one spot. <laughs> but it's just like, I don't know. Like if they, I feel like the, the Flash movie is this weird Trojan horse on the multiverse train for the DCEU. And I'm just like, guys, I think we can just do a better way. And like, I know it's like, and the thing is like, I don't know. Why can't they can the Flash movie and record the biggest loss in history and make enough money to make another movie that doesn't have as many pieces I mean, of shit in it. This is what kind of... I kind of like that this is on? the fourth one that comes in after everything that we talked about as far as like the tax yeah. incentives and everything that they're doing where it's like, you save more money on that movie. What are you talking about? But it's what because talking, yeah. like... What's up? Again, it's... It, you know, uh... Can't, it's a double standard. I mean, I think it's a double yeah, standard. Cancel me. It's, it's yeah. a double standard. It's Batgirl yeah. is a... Uh, intended uh, to be direct-to-streaming uh, superhero movie that stars a woman who is a person of color, and they were just like, ah, yeah. fucking get rid of it. Mm-hmm. But as 
Ezra Miller and The Flash, they're just like, meh, meh. Public enemy I, number I, I one. Know. I, it's it's like again, it's like this it's this insane like you, you remember when uh NASA released like, oh, we know what like a uh, black hole sounds like now. You've yeah. heard that? Mm-hmm. That's like yes. what it It's creepy. That's what I feel like the Flash movie sounds like. <laughs> Where it's just like, guys, stop just stop doing it it's evil it's evil like it shouldn't exist just cut it out it is it is tainted goods my guy like it is not good and like listen do i think the movie is gonna be like cool like sure like sure i'm sure it's gonna be like a fine movie you put enough fucking money into something it's usually cool i like avatar avatar is cool because it costs mad Mm -hmm. money you can't like once you hit a certain threshold it's just gonna be fine you know this movie, I'm sure, is gonna be fine, but it's just like I don't know. Like, at what point is it is it really like worth it? Are people that excited for the Flash movie? There's like one, one teaser. No one's excited for the Flash movie. What the fuck are you talking about? I just I and I don't think it's like this guaranteed hit. And the only reason the only reason I'm intrigued about a Flash movie is because of Michael Keaton Batman. And as we mentioned earlier, if they're so down to do these bottle movies, just make a Michael Keaton Batman movie. I'll show up for that. Yeah. I'm way more excited to show up for that. What are we doing? Honestly, one of the only things that I'm really excited about with the Flash movie is Michael Keaton's in it as Batman. <laughs> I'm like, okay. That's cool. it. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, it's so, this is it's this weird. is like a delicate one that I feel like we don't have to talk about too much. <laughs> no, no, you're right. I don't want to, you know, it's... It, someone's going through a time of crisis and despite, right. you know... And like, and like also with like statements like this, like who knows, like they're wrapped up in so many uh, legal issues. They can't like speak to their own victims or speak about their own victims in their apology. Maybe they're requested not to. This is me being very, you know, benefit of the doubt. I don't fucking know. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I think if anything, uh, I encourage people to not keep Ezra Miller in their mind and keep his victims in mind during this time. And uh, we'll... See what happens with that Flash movie, huh? I mean, it's yeah, it, it yeah, it's a it's a delicate thing to talk about. It's like you see videos of arrests or assaults, and it's you see mugshots and stuff, and yeah. you're just kind of like, right, what the hell's going on here? And you know, an apology of this type is good yeah. to start. But it's also just kind of like, well, where is this going? What is the entire point of this and why? I just think like, yeah. correct me if I'm wrong, but I just think even in like the heyday of actors being allowed to be pieces of shit, I think still would have gotten projects canceled yeah. over the laundry list no. that they've, you know, made it at this point. Like, it's it's just kind of weird. It's weird. It's it's a it's weird. It's a weird situation for everybody to find themselves in. And I find myself very weird talking about it. Yeah. Yeah. So moving on uh, again, let's keep the victims in mind during this time as the story will surely evolve over time. And at the very least, I do hope that Ezra gets, let's hope this turns positive at some point, but I don't know. Story number five, Doug Lehman, Jake Gyllenhaal to reimagine MGM's Roadhouse for Prime Video. This story is by Jeremy Kay at Screen Daily. The late Patrick Swayze starred as the bouncer Dalton in the original, and Gyllenhaal will play the former UFC 
fighter who takes a job as a bouncer at a rough roadhouse in the Florida Keys and discovers not everything is as it seems. The cast includes Billy Magnuson, Daniela Melchior, Lucas Gage, Hannah Love Lanier, Travis Van Winkle, BK Cannon, Arturo Castro, Dominique Columbus, Boo Knapp, Bob Menery, Anthony Bagarozzi, and Charles Mondry adapted the screenplay. The Amazon original movie is set to go into production in the Dominican Republic this month and will stream worldwide on Prime Video at release. Uh, Mike, we, you, the royal we, showed uh, Roadhouse. uh, It was one of the early repertory screenings at uh, Story Screen Beacon Theater located in Beacon, New York. Mm -hmm. Yes, it was. And I remember that was the first time I saw it. It was good. Um, Notoriously, we accidentally played it in French. did on we? the first screening, yeah. <laughs> I didn't see the French version. Yeah. Uh, that movie, I, you know, I really like that movie. That movie slaps. It's classic. A lot of people, it's a cool movie. I think, it's have got a, great. It's a cool movie. It's got people, great one-liners it, in it. It's good. Yeah. Do you think? Uh, how do you feel about this adaptation? Love it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like everyone involved. Uh, yeah, uh, Doug Lehman, um, cool, and Jake Gyllenhaal, yeah. good cool. at his job and sexy. So. That's all you're really excited about right? it. Didn't uh, did someone get hired? Who's like? It's like a some uh, dude that fights people for a living got hired like in the past couple days. Who's gonna star as probably the antagonist fighter? Uh, oh, really? That's Conor cool. McGregor. I think that is it. Is he really I gonna be? That that's, no, I don't know. I don't him, fucking right? know. I, I I read it somewhere. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, that'd be interesting. I think he's like kind of a, I don't know much about UFC stuff, but I think he's kind of an asshole, which maybe would, would fit, probably the, fit the role. It well. would probably fit. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm excited to see, I feel like I could see Jake Gyllenhaal picking up the Swayze mantle in this, in this movie and really going somewhere with it. I wonder though, do you think it's going to be played like, you know, I think the thing about like Roadhouse watching it now, it's like it, that movie is fucking ridiculous, right? Like it's it's like over the top. It's like super crazy. Well, yeah, it's, it's that think weird that... 80s stuff where like they took kind of these mediocre meandering jobs and were just like, well, this is what it would be like in a movie where it's like being a bouncer is yeah. not like that. No, it's not a kung fu. It's movie. not like that. That's not what being a bouncer is like. But they're like they kind of romanticize it. It's like the the thing that me and Tim Guy talked about on our cocktail episode. Which, like, if you haven't mm-hmm. seen Cocktail with Tom Cruise, that is a bananas movie where it's just like the way that they treat how bartenders or quote unquote mixologists were being treated in the eighties. You're just like, what? Like, it's, like yeah. people are just like. He's working at a TGI Fridays in that movie. And people are like, yeah, 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 yeah. While he's like mixing up an ocean breeze or something. I'm sure the people who actually frequent the TGI Fridays bar is uh, not someone looking for the best. Cocktail. I mean, shit, I want to go to one right now. It does. Do you want to go to a TGI Fridays? Like after, after we're done recording, you want to meet up halfway? That sounds like a, that sounds like a good okay. idea. That sounds like a good idea. I've had some good times at the Applebee bar. Applebee's bar. Yeah. No, those places are so, fun. They're fun. Do, do you think that um, this movie is going to be a bit more like grad? Because I think the thing about like Roadhouse is that it like it's it almost feels like camp by today's standards. Do you think that this movie is going to have like a flair for the ridiculous? Or do you think it's going to be like played a bit more straight? Like what, what do you what do you think is going to happen here? I got to 
give it to Doug Lyman on the sense of like where this might go because this dude's last couple movies, you know, in the past like 10 years are like, uh, he's got Edge of Tomorrow and American Made, his two Tom Cruise stuff. And Edge of Tomorrow is a super fun, does not take itself too seriously sci-fi movie, which is why it's so great. Um, American Made is like, you know, uh, uh, like a like a like a biopic about like a really weird guy and he got a really weird guy to <laughs> play it. Um, <laughs> he had that movie Lockdown, uh, which I did not see, which was like his COVID movie with um, Chiwetel Ejiofor and Anne Hathaway. Uh, but he also did a movie that I'm not allowed to watch apparently called Chaos Walking. Which is that Tom Holland? You're not allowed to watch it. Yeah, I tried to watch it a bunch of times, and Diana told me to, not to watch it. So I'm like, <laughs> I don't think I'm. A, hey, she's the boss. I don't man. think I'm so allowed to watch that's it. That's the way yeah. it is. <laughs> but Doug Liman is also like notoriously a director that constantly has. Uh, I'm looking at his IMDb right now. He has 16 upcoming projects already, just like in there. He's a guy that's attached to everything. He's yeah. a dude that can kind of sweet talk his way into big budget like adaptations like or Guillermo del Toro yeah, yeah. he can, he can figure he, yeah. <laughs> everybody wants him to do the thing that they want him to do and then you know he's doing the space movie with Tom Cruise which you know as we've all said like that's probably how Tom Cruise is going to shed his mortal coil and become the god that he's supposed to be yeah. um but roadhouse i think is like like I'm just kind of bringing it back to basics on like who Doug Lyman is. And even if you don't want to go too far back uh, with like weird stuff, like Mr. And Mrs. Smith. And like, this is the dude that may go in the firstborn identity. It's like, this is the guy that made edge of tomorrow. Give him the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. If he's going to make a yeah, campy I mean, action movie, like, all right, go for it. And it's got Jake Gyllenhaal. Sure. I think Jake Gyllenhaal, like, can play camp very easily. And that's that's why I'm hoping, like, you know, when you hear that they're adding, like, this UFC element, it, it, it gives me, not to have too much conjecture on it, but to me it speaks to, like, oh, they're adding in now, like, a level of, like, realism to the character. It's like, why can he fight so good? Mm-hmm. He, do, he, he used to be a UFC fighter. You know what I mean? Like... I think it's like stuff like that. I'm just like, it doesn't like worry me. It just kind of like has me kind of intrigued where I'm like, so are they adding like some realistic elements to help explain like why he's good at fighting? Where it's just like, for me, it's like, I don't really need a reason for someone to be good at fighting in a movie. They can just be good at it. But you know, if it's fun, I I hope that they lean into the fun of it. I do think Edge of Tomorrow is a really good example of a movie that has a lot of heart and is a lot of fun and also, you know, is a gory killer action movie. So, you know, it does, it hits all the bases and I think, you know, a Roadhouse movie could could do the same, right? Yeah. I mean, it. I guess the only thing that I would be kind of nervous about is like, you know, I don't, it's not like Roadhouse is like so close to my heart and like, oh, don't ruin my, <laughs> don't ruin my precious cinema. Roadhouse. But one of the things that's <laughs> cool about that movie is that it's like, um, Patrick Swayze is kind of like, uh, his character Dalton is like an unknowable dude. You know, he's yeah. like, he's almost, he's like practically the man he with no name town. that blows into, exactly, that blows into town. And 
where does this guy come from? How does he know what he knows? How much does he know? Like that kind of thing. But I will say that the UFC part, and again, like this could be like maybe somebody was involved in you, like Jake Gyllenhaal's character was involved in UFC fighting and then he got out and he maybe went through like a, a spiritual transformation. And that might be the angle that they're going at because one of the things about Patrick Swayze's character Dalton in Roadhouse is that he is always calm. And he's not yeah. just calm because, you know, it's like the calm before the storm kind of thing. He's got a great line in that movie that I've carried with me throughout my entire fucking life, which is, mm. um, be nice until you don't, and until you don't have to be, he's got that line where he's talking to the bouncers about like what to do. And he's like, never underestimate your opponent, expect the unexpected, take the fight outside unless you absolutely have to do it inside. And number three, be nice and everybody's like what do you mean be nice somebody calls me a cocksucker to my face like what am i like these like and he's just like cocksucker is just a couple syllables put together it's two words put together to incite a reaction don't respond to it like that kind of thing and it's like i think about people that are ufc fighters and i mean no shade in this they don't really seem like the most introspective Dudes, sure. you know, and and that might be me like kind of throwing a blanket statement out there, but it's like there is something to sure. the unknowability of where the character of Dalton comes from, where you're like, I can at the same time believe that this guy could absolutely beat the shit out of anybody that bumped into him, but also believe that he is calm, cool, collected, and just like ready to just fucking chill. And yeah. I... I think that's important to the character. I think you're yeah. right. I think he needs to be like... If they can figure that out, I, I, even I think Jake Gyllenhaal can pull that off. It's all about... Like, he can do both sides of that thing and just be, like, super chill and cool, but also just, like, we saw Enemy, you know, like, yeah. where he pretty much plays, like... Two sides. Two sides, yeah. Right. He plays, like, a super yeah. just, like, fucking dude, and then, like, a raging... Body of rage and arrogance. <laughs> body yeah. of rage, yes. Yeah, I agree. All right, Mike. Well, that is, uh, that's all the news stories for Stories from Reports. We are now moving on to the segment of the show where I run through the movies and shows coming out next month. Just a quick list. Uh, the movies that are releasing in September are, on September 8th, we get Pinocchio <laughs> on Disney+. Plus. September 9th, we get Dark Harvest and Barbarian. September 13th is Clerks 3. September 16th is The Woman King, Pearl, the prequel to X, Moon Age Daydream. September 23rd, Don't Worry Darling, Blonde, coming to Netflix. September 30th, Bros, Hocus Pocus 2, coming to Disney+. And the shows coming to streaming. Uh, and, you know, for the record, there's a lot of shows that come out. If you look at any lists of shows and seasons and stuff launching in the coming months, it's pretty overwhelming. So I have a bit of a condensed one. If it's more suited to my tastes, uh, sorry. But I tried to find stuff that I don't actually watch and I think other people would be into. But Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power, launches September 2nd on Prime Video. Rick and Morty Season 6 comes out September 4th on HBO Max. Cobra Kai Season 5 comes out September 9th on Netflix. Cyberpunk Edge Runners comes out September 13th on Netflix. Atlanta Season 4 launches, and the final season, I believe, is September 15th on Hulu. 
Abbott Elementary Season 2 is September 22nd on Hulu and or uh, Star Wars, right? September 21st on Disney+. Plus. The Bad Batch Season 2 I actually think is not coming out anymore, so I have to take that off the list. Uh, and Enter Galactic, it's that uh, cool animated Kid Cudi show, is coming out September 30th to Netflix. Mike Burge, mm. does anything on this list get your mouth watering? No. Moving on. <laughs> no, I'm super excited about The Woman King. Um, I'm actually cool. really psyched about Pearl. Like, I really did Dude, not think that yeah. I was going to be into it, but I know some folks out in L.A. that got to see a very early cut uh, for, like, a pre-screener, and they were like, actually, it's a lot of fun. You know, super silly. You, but You saw X? Oh, right? yeah, absolutely. And you liked loved it? Loved it. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited, dude. I think I'm more excited for this than I think this might hit harder for me than X. I, I, I have that. a feeling that this is going to. I have a feeling that Pearl will not only be like a really good experience to watch all on its own, but it'll make X better in hindsight. Did you see the souvenir part two? Of course, dude. I I think like I was thinking about it yesterday. I was just like, I really want more. Of these type of movies to get sequels, yeah. you know? Like, I think it's just really cool. Are like, sequels, prequels, like, discontinuation? I think it's so cool that, like, we get Pearl in the same year. I think that's, like, really... It's it's very exciting, you know? I think it's just very it's neat. There's something very um, artful about that. Like, there, it's, like, the integrity of, like, the art. Like, it's, like, he, he shot this while they were making X, and he did it on, like, the side. Ty West, the director. Yeah. And he just did it on the side, and he wrote it with Mia Goth. And, like, they just kind of just like shot it and stuff like that and just like had fun with like the days off that they had and then they were like we have enough for a movie let's shoot a couple reshoots roundabouts and stuff like that edit it let's go and that's cool i think that's fun yeah no i think that's exciting uh for me i'm pretty excited for i'm excited for pearl as well and uh, a lot of the TV stuff I'm actually excited for. The, this Lord of the Rings show, I want to see what's good. Uh, my my, I'm like prepped for it a little bit. I you know I, I notoriously have not seen Game of Thrones, but I started. I watched the new the first episode of the Game of Thrones prequel show, <laughs> you. Uh, House House of Dragons in in Westboros, sure. uh, Westboros House of Dragons, and I thought it was great. I thought it was cool. I was like, this is a cool show. I like it. <laughs> It's weird, you know. I was like, these all these people fuck. That's cool. cool. And okay. then uh, <laughs> cool. And uh, I'm also excited for the Cyberpunk Edge Runner show. I didn't really play the Cyberpunk game, which is in the universe of, but the show looks really cool and like stylized. And I'm really excited for Intergalactic. I'm hoping that that uh, is as cool as it looks. Mm. Yeah. So that is the list of things coming out next month. And uh, that's pretty much the show. Uh, we're just going to talk about briefly what we've been watching lately. Um, Dragons of Westboros, uh, Real House Dragons is what I'm watching, mm-hmm. uh, and some other stuff. But Mike, what, are you, what have you been watching lately? Uh, I've been trying to start catching up on uh, some movies uh, from the past year as we're getting to that crunch. The crunch is always yes, coming. And crunch. so I'm like, I'm trying to catch up <laughs> on some stuff. I actually watched... Um, the outfit uh, with Mark Rylance. Um, okay. It's very good. It's a very good movie. Uh, Is that so? When did that come out? Uh, that came out earlier in the year, probably like around like February or March or so. Mm-hmm. And it's like I guarantee you saw a trailer for it. It's where Mark Rylance plays like a tailor uh, in Chicago okay. in like the forties or fifties, and there's mm-hmm. like a uh, mobsters are like we want to find this thing. And he's just like, Oh, I do my snooker snook and cumbers. 
and stuff when he does it he does this whole thing it's really good it's a, a really good movie and i just started uh yeah. yellow jackets uh, i want to watch dude that. i, I have so good i'm late finally late started it and cannot get enough of it diana's gonna be home in like half an hour and i'm like two episodes of yellow jackets please can we please yeah give it to it's me so fucking please. good it's um it's not only like like the story is great and the act the actors are all fantastic it's shot so insanely like it's just it's shot just like everything was given so much time and effort for each little shot but you know that that's not how tv shows work so you just know that whoever was behind the camera on all these episodes is like we got to get it in like two or three let's go and that's cool it really passes over it's just like "Mm, i love it love watching it yeah um, yeah, I, just, I started watching that Game of Thrones prequel, having not seen Game of Thrones, and I'm into it. I think I'm going to finish this season and then watch Game of Thrones. You should watch Game of Thrones. I know, that's weird. Just watch Game of Thrones. I think I should. I mean, you know, I, I Claire keeps saying that to me, and I keep it's, being a little asshole and being like, I'm not, I'm not going to do it. Everybody freaked out about it, and like, notoriously, <laughs> well, so like, I got in trouble during the final season of Game of Thrones, because I was just like, the last season of Game of Thrones is not bad. It's just as bad as the rest of the show. You guys just weren't paying attention. And I want to make sure that I clarify that, is that one of the big things that Game of Thrones had was at the end of every season, and I'm pretty sure I've said this on another episode, at the end of every season, they always had a big cliffhanger that they would build up to and you'd be like, oh, I can't wait. And in a show that's built on that, when you have an ending that's what everybody had a problem with. They were just like, well, that's how it ends. It's like, yeah, yeah, it has to end some way. And I get that some people weren't into it, but it's just like, there's, there is no uh, quality control issue between like season four and season, whatever, seven or eight that the last season was season one and two mm-hmm. and three. Mama Mia. They're fantastic. I love them. After that, you're just kind of like, so we're all just kind of doing this thing. And every now and then we have an episode that's like insanely good. I mean, I I think the main hurdle that I'm facing and now I kind of understand how everyone was feeling a few years ago is that uh, going on Twitter after seeing it, which I was like, this show's fine. It's fun. I'm interested in it. Just people being just the biggest pieces of shit about TV on the Internet. I I still have not watched. It's like it's like you guys like they're. Dude, they're treating it like it's like they're like, oh, well, it's not, you know, the best thing I've ever seen. It's like you guys haven't thought that Game of Thrones was the best it's thing you've ever seen the, the whole time you watched it. What the fuck's going in the fucking on? World. Dude, it's awful, insane. Awful, awful takes, awful people. Like, I just am like, listen, just watch the show. It's not it's not high art. It's a dragon show. Fuck off. Like, I still haven't watched uh, Real Housewives of Dragons. So, yeah, Real Housewives of Dragons yeah. Westeros edition. I know. Westeros. I'm going to wait. <laughs> Uh, and I also uh, just watched a movie that I really, 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 really deeply Ooh. liked, which is uh, 3,000 Years of Longing Dang. at the Story Screen Beacon Theater. So everyone should go check that out. George Miller's, uh, I think, first movie since Mad Max Fury Road. And uh, it does not disappoint. I I connected with it. I thought it was very good. Watching some other stuff. Nothing, nothing done yet. You know, watching She-Hulk, feeling bad for VFX artists. But uh, I'm starting to get into it. Oh, and you know what? I I told Mike, I told you and Diana off mic, we're hanging out as friends too, uh, that um, I saw the first episode of Sandman, didn't like it that much, and then 
I I got I watched the second episode and now now I'm, I'm I'm on episode three or four and I'm I'm like get in right. there baby I I do think like I, I think it just needed to settle for me and I also think that the aesthetic of the show uh, gets better I'm sure like the the visual skill going into each episode it's, is maintained in mm-hmm. the same but I do think that style settles in a bit it's more. a very monotone story intentionally from the comics which i think is why it took so long for people to kind of figure out well how do we make this because they want to make it Mm. exciting and energetic and it's like that is not what sandman is all about like the sandman comics are very much about just introspective like just like kind of looking inward and the awareness of the universe and the reality around you and the conversations that we have within that and what those things mean. That's the shit that makes Neil Gaiman's series so good. And I think we're finally at a point where it's like, you can make a show that is about that introspection and about that quiet calm while also just making it look fucking insane and amazing. It's kind of the same thing like that they hit with Lord of the Rings back when Peter Jackson finally cracked it, where he was just like, well, no, we can make it like this epic scope thing, but we can also have all this poetry and all this like fun yeah. stuff, you know? I think now that like the show starts proper in episode two and like, yeah, it's, it becomes a bit more character driven and then I'm like You're more sold in that. And I like the characters in that first episode and I really liked how, you know, where they end up and you're like, oh, I thought we we're going to spend like more time with this guy with these guys and it's cool that they yeah. support you've, your you've got if you're not familiar also with the like a, the character uh the corinthian big robbie vibes yeah. from that guy like it, yeah i teeth eye yeah. teeth or spoilers i was he thinking about you every time us. that guy was on <laughs> i'll try and do my best foghorn leghorn for you next time i'll say i'll say i'll say, say i got teeth I'll for say, my I'll eyes say, i got teeth for eyes darling Mike Burge. The Wolverine as I live and breathe. <laughs> uh, this is the first episode of Story Screen Reports in the bag. We are not the only podcast on Story Screen. StoryScreenBeacon.com hosts to many podcasts, articles, and reviews. So please head over to our website to check out all of our content. And if you stuck around and listened to this whole episode here, thank you so much. Uh, this is definitely a passion project of mine, and I've been you know putting a lot of work into making the docket and making uh, some of the assets that you'll see at the theater and also online it's coming up pretty soon uh my good friend alex kelly made the theme song that you heard at the beginning of the episode uh he does not have social media and he does not have a place where you can listen to his music i asked him if there's any plugs i can do so uh uh, if he puts out music, I'm going to make sure you guys listen just to it. look up at the He's sky the next time uh there, there are no clouds, and just say his name, Alex Gascali, and you know he will, he will appear. But uh, yeah, and Mike, do you have anything you'd like to plug before we head out of here? Not at all. No, I think that this went fucking great. Yeah, did you have a good I time? I had a great time doing this. I'm actually a little upset that I don't get to do it for a little while. Hey, man, we'll get you. It's pretty there fun. Again. Don't worry. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. We'll be back with more reports because as. As the news goes, so do we. That's a good tagline. Maybe do we'll you have do like that. a 
We're figuring okay. it out. Like, like that goes out. Well, there's, you know, the song works as an outro as well. Oh, okay. You'll be hearing that again. So we'll just lead into that. Thanks for listening, guys. Yeah.